check. Silversations, the podcast. Welcome to Silversations, the podcast. This is number 11. Silversations is our space, our podcast. Really just hold space, connect, learn, engage with each other, um, and just get to, to real truths and reflections about life. Um, yeah, in Silversations, we are many things, one of them being a connection-building card game. Um, but overall, just really trying to focus on that aspect of building more connection, building more understanding, uh, building building more deeper looks into the things that we experience in life. And so I've been working on that. And this one being number 11, we've had 10 guests on. And just the concept of you know doing these for the past 10 weeks to try and stay consistent week in, week out to speak with people and learn and experience um, has been really powerful for me to be able to sit down and be present with people and remove all the distraction, uh, remove other things that are going on and it, just tap in and to really um, ask a question or share why why someone is really interesting to me or why I admire them or, or what it is that um, was the impetus to speak with them and then just following that thread and really letting the person who's speaking lead and just following that um, has been such a valuable practice for me just in a lot of aspects outside of um, just interviewing or talking with someone but in general of whether that's to be more compassionate or to learn more about how a person works or what really drives a person when you're really just tapping into that and following through that is such a powerful um, process because it's present, um, is very real time. And, you know, it's, I think in a lot of ways, it's an empowering thing for a person to understand how, um, that their life has value or there's interest in it and that there's, um, something that people can gain from it. So with that being said, um, with the 10 guests, I wanted to just do an episode here where we cover, three of the past guests the first three we'll do the f- one two and three and then every so often i'll just do another one just so you know i know it's some of these podcasts can be an hour a piece so to be able to just hear an excerpt from each person and um, for me really i just want to be able to share what i'm what i'm learning and what i find valuable um, from these folks and hopefully that will lead you to maybe listen to their story or what they share and yeah for me that's that's one of the biggest learnings which is Everybody is extraordinary. Everybody has a story that you could read on the internet or that you would come across and you would find fascinating. And it's really just about tapping in, right? And asking those questions as we, as, cause when people share about what's most important to them or the things that have affected them the most or the things that drive them or the things that have shaped who they are, it's always fascinating. And we can link that back to ourselves and we can link that back to our own lives and thinking about what has shaped us, what drives us, what, what are we, what are we working through? What are we processing? What are we reflecting? And I think that human thread is really at the heart of, um, the podcast or also if you're playing conversations, the game, you know, which is we share these common threads and we experience these things. And when we are able to focus on that within ourselves and on each other, you understand that we're not, we're not very far off from each other. And so, um, 
that's really what I love about the dynamic of, of these conversations, which is ultimately I feel more connected to the world and I feel more connected to people and I have more hope. I have more understanding that if we led with these things um, on larger scales, we'd have much more powerful interactions um, and much more care for each other. So yeah, I hope you can take a listen here and enjoy because these these three people are extraordinary people all in their own right so um starting with number one the woman who brought me into the world my mom <laughs> um yeah if you listen to this episode the first one i you know i was like who who is someone that um for me i really want to get to that level and, and that's definitely with my mom and it's it's just an interesting complex relationship just you know from a young age with my mom um just me being the youngest so i was always her baby i was always her um young one which she always took care of me and always um looked out for me but then i was always the baby so that's that was an interesting dynamic and that's something that still plays out today right i'm always her child and um I think growing up, having independence or having my ability to think for myself or make my own decisions wasn't always um, available to me because I was the youngest. I'm younger than my brother by four days and 300, four years and 364 days. My sister's about eight and a half years older. And so there's a big age difference even um, just in the beginning. Plus, my parents were um, both in their 30s when they had me. So. And then I was the only one born in America. And so um, I understand Tagalog, but I didn't speak it growing up. And so um, I think that was also another factor in just uh, me being kind of seen as like the baby of the family, a little bit of a black sheep. And so, um, and then I've always had a heart for, you know, when I, if I think something's not just or not right or not fair, or I look at it from a different point of view, um, it doesn't, it's not equal to me. I will fight that. I will fight that. And I, I can't get on board with that. And I think just growing up, my mom came from a school of thought that was respect your elders and it's right if I say so. So it could, I mean, it could be, if I tell you two plus one is four, two plus one is four. And there's nothing I can do to, to change that mind. Uh, of my mom and so you know growing up we had uh, a rocky relationship and it's been complex over the years to say the least but something that really um, brought us closer through that time 100% that really just changed the whole dynamic was when my dad was diagnosed with cancer and just that experience of um, I was living in Southern California and then moving back home and just the evolution of when you meet things that immovable realities or immovable circumstances, which was my dad was going to pass away and the dynamics or the understanding of what my mom knew life to be was going to change ultimately. And um, I think that was for all of us in the family. And so, you know, we got closer through that process of supporting my dad and, and through some final conversations I had with my dad, um, just letting him know I was going to support my mom and just, you know, 
I think really letting my pride go, that really letting just this idea of like my individual wants and needs to just examine those a little bit more for and within the context of a family and, you know, just caring for your mom. And so, um, after my dad passed, you know, we were talking every day. Um, I eventually moved back to Southern California, um, took a job, but we stayed connected. And, um, I think I've just learned over the years to what my mom has had to go through and understanding the trauma that she had been through that I think a lot of that had affected, you know, a lot of our relationship growing up and how she reacted or how she handled things with me. And so, and how I handled things with her on the inverse. And so, um, for me, this is her, um, the clip that I just want to share is her sharing the story of when she was in high school, our Lola Shanum, our grandpa was essentially killed, um, they had a driver and he backed up into my uh, Lolo. And then instead of driving forward, he panicked. The car stayed in reverse, drove, and then just continued to back up with Lolo Shanung in there. Um, and this is just her recounting just a little bit of the day. And then just wanted to share some of the parallels that um, we had experienced later in our life. And just the learnings of, you know, what what trauma or how trauma can affect somebody at a young age like that. So here's a little excerpt of my mom sharing that here. So we tried to go to every hospital that we knew, very close to the house. Finally, um, we found out this one hospital where Lola was there. We went to the emergency room. And then but Lola, Lola was in the stretcher already. Stretcher chapel. Lola was crying and crying. And then they were trying to push the stretcher inside her. The doctors, or the nurse said they will have a surgery, do a surgery. And uh, so we have to put him inside the surgery room. And then all of a sudden, once they didn't even went inside yet, they pushed back the stretcher and said, no, um, we're not doing the surgery. The doctor, he even asked for the doctor. The doctor, what's the name? He said, Chinese doctor. His friend. He cannot, they have to look at the x-ray first of the lungs, the ribs. He said, we cannot do anymore. The ribs are all broken and already uh, went, uh, and uh, uh, what called it? Affected the lungs. And there was this, uh, what they call, uh, the, wa the water from the lungs already because it was punctured already by all these broken ribs. How can you how can you be uh, live without broken ribs already? And it got stuck in your lungs already. So we started crying and Lola, and then they started to you know the the blank uh, whatever the bed sheet that they yeah. have to cover you and, yeah. and they started oh my God that's how we you know like when we were crying at that funeral I mean. After uh, doing the the, yeah. the room, right? that's how we you know started the trio part, and then the. Start so that was my mom. They're sharing uh, about that experience of finding Lolo Shanong at the hospital, uh, and that one really strikes with me, and it really um, just hits me because at the end you'll hear her say, "Like us, when when Dad was in his room." Uh, 
she's making a reference to the day my dad passed away, uh, January 18, 2009, which is a while back now. Um, but yes, um, that day was very crystal clear to me. It was my dad had, was actually supposed to head to Mexico and was having treatments. Uh, it's called the Oasis of Hope in Tijuana, and he had been been there before for a stay. And but he was just in in really bad shape that day, and um, kind of became evident that he wasn't going to be able to fly. And then uh, we had like uh, called all the family, and must have been like twenty twenty to twenty five family members came over, and we were in the living room, and Dad was just like lying sitting on the couch you know leaning back just um we had fed him but he was like just slowly becoming incoherent and um just starting to say that his vision was going black and so our family was just being there with him kind of praying over him and then um just going on for a couple hours and then um eventually he just like stands up like the way that it was set up was the couch was facing everybody and everybody was just kind of being present with him and he kind of like made this move to stand up and everybody's like whoa 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 don't stand up but because he was so weak at by that point and hadn't really been coherent the whole day and he stood up and had his eyes closed and he just stood up there and remember him just taking like a really deep inhale of breath and just taking everything in and then kind of sat down and just sick again and and for me in hindsight looked like he was just breathing everything in one last time and having his family there and then um later we had called the paramedics just to check in on him and so they decided to take him into the hospital and so we'd been there for a few hours so a lot of the family was like let's eat something first um ryan that's what they call me why don't you follow to the hospital and so then that was, I trailed the ambulance to the hospital, and pretty much as soon as we got to the hospital, um, and they brought him into the room, uh, my dad started flatlining, and um, I was there with my aunt, it was just me and my aunt, and I remember the doctor saying they had never seen somebody come in with blood sugar that low before, and been conscious, and so, yeah, that was alarming, and then, and then he started flatlining, and and they were, you know, asking, like, can can we resuscitate him, you know, and, and they had to call my mom because she had to give the word. And I just remember the pan, like, kind of just turned into panic calling my family. And I was like, you got to get here. You got to get here. And so, um, yeah, they, they all rushed in, my brother, my sister, and my mom. And, you know, they told us, you have to leave the room. I'm working on my dad. And it was, it was very, like, TV show, like, movie scene like where you know they were working on him and the family's just kind of in disarray because they were at home and then they came in and then um after a few minutes you know you just see one of the nurses come out and shake their head like take their gloves off and then you just heard the, the from the room said who wants to call it and i know it was a little bit about a little bit after seven thirty, and so um yeah and then just hearing that and then once they came out just and they called it, you know, everybody starts wailing and crying and, um, 
that experience of the just just like that loss of life in that moment and that grief is, is just a very powerful thing and i was that was a day before i turned 26 so for me to you know experience that at 26 was such a such a you know like defining moment in my life that carries with me today and um for my mom to experience this with her dad at 16 and then with her husband again um and and at 16 I have to you know carry on for her family with our lola lolang our grandma to kind of help the family you know you learn about you know for me it just she my mom had to have you know, grown up at a very, very early age and helped support the family. And, um, so for me, it was, I was like, why aren't, you know, when I was younger, I was like, why are you so, you know, so tough, tough on me? Why can't you just like love, love me or like, tell me you're proud of me. Yeah. That's like one of the things that we've always gone about, you know, cause words of affirmation are huge to me. And, you know, just understanding that, that wasn't afforded to my mom and that wasn't part of her experience. And so to kind of experience that and hear that from her and and knowing that we shared that experience together uh, with my dad, it was really a powerful thing to just, just look at and help me understand my mom as a woman, as a person, as a, as a mother, as a wife, as a sister, um, someone who's independent and fierce and so yeah that that's just a uh and also that, that just being like a history capsule that you know happening in the 60s and so um in the philippines so yeah that was a very powerful one and you know i think in general if you have a chance to sit down with a loved one uh, whether or not your relationship's super tight uh, it makes it even a little more nervous you know as you know i try to sit my down my mom down now and it's you know she always complains but i'm like i want to have these and i want to have these moments and i want to listen to these moments and i want to keep these moments and it's worth it you know so when we ever we have our breakfast whenever i go home to the bay i always make sure that we have some sort of conversation i'm not always recording it but just that we have that moment and that time but i think for anybody if you have a loved one that you could possibly have the opportunity to record a conversation or to share and really lock that in forever and and be in a special space and hold with them, like do it. Like just get get through whatever might feel funny, funky, awkward, your own feelings, and just dive into that experience because um I'm 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 so thankful for that because it's flipped my perspective and it's just even allowed me in in our interactions with my mom to like think about and be more conscious about our interactions and how I am with that. So yeah, check that out. That is the first episode with my mom of Silversations number one. And then this is Silversations number two, who we're going to jump into. I've got to share about my friend and extraordinary person, Miss Esther Mungoma, who is uh, part of our EIKS, the nonprofit, which helps run Silversations. She is part of um, our leadership. She is, we call her Auntie Esther. She is someone who shares the wisdom that just has this, you almost feel like it's this inherently um, just given wisdom that Esther carries or her ability to discern, her ability to kind of have a step back and um, t- 
take a look at everything. And Esther, um, Esther is actually let's see, Esther Esther is Ugandan, but technically was even was born in Kenya. If I got this right, Esther, because and the, and the fascinating thing is um, Esther's father was actually targeted by the dictator Idi Amin in Uganda. There's actually a movie called, if you ever want to watch it, The Last King of Scotland with Forrest Whitaker. Um, but yes, he was part of a regime. That regime, that dictator, wanted to take out Esther's dad. So they had to leave. he had to leave the country um, that night. And then eventually Esther's mom and the family also followed. And they um, were refugees in Kenya. And so um, from there, grew up in Kenya, and Esther shares her story in the second podcast just about life and what that was like growing up. And um, just like, once again, you start to see these threads unfold. Um, this specific part of the podcast is Esther talking about how they would have to fast for three days at a time um, when they didn't have any food on the table. And... This is just makes so much sense to me because I love Esther as a human being. She's an absolute gift to the world. Her generosity and her inherent kind of love for life and people and to see what blessings are and to see what is there and what is in abundance and not focus on what is scarce, not focus on what is missing um, is one of the hallmark traits of her. And I think just being able to hear her in this in this piece right here just kind of share about what she is was experiencing in this time and how she viewed it is a powerful powerful thing and it's a testament to the wonderful esther um yeah but if you listen to her podcast that that whole episode is just super eye-opening to me i absolutely loved it. it took me to another place and another experience um but here is Esther in that little excerpt. Check it out. Literally, my mom was the one who was holding the fort down at home. And we didn't have much. She she was a, uh, she wasn't working that time because she couldn't. She had to take care of the kids. And there are days where we literally had nothing. And my mom would say, <laughs> she'd always tell us, okay. Guys, this week, starting Wednesday, we are going to fast because she's like, we got to just fast and, and pray and, you know, just like um, cleanse ourselves and just get us, get your minds ready and just like, you know, and we would think that, oh, okay, we're just praying, you know, uh, we, we grew up very, very, very religious. Uh, so we i eventually got to know later on that uh, would go through these fasts because we didn't have food she literally did not have any food to 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 give us so she's like what do i do so we just go like on three days fast and you just fast and then for some reason miraculously someone would knock on the door or my dad would send money by western union or moneygram and we go and there's food that after the fast we would always have something to eat but then eventually she told us it's um she would do that because she she really didn't have food 
we didn't have any money or we didn't have food. What was that experience like going through going through fasts like that? It was oh my goodness. I just remember feeling so hungry. But then I also remember um I guess I trained myself to think about other things. Uh and by the second day the first day would always go and just um get Colgate and just <laughs> because we were so hungry, we just get yeah. like the Colgate and, and just like eat or drink water, or drink so a lot. Toothpaste and water would be day one. Toothpaste and water. The second day, you're like, oh no, you know, I can't do this. Uh, the second day, you're just thinking of other things just to preoccupy your mind. I would read a lot. I love to read, so I just go read and play and then the third day you're thinking oh it's the last day we're gonna break our fast there's gonna be food so we we went and we fast we used to fast quite a bit we i remember doing it more than 10 times when i was young so we got used to it yeah and it just makes you appreciate more the little that you have mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. appreciate food appreciate just uh having your family together because we'd always break the fast together and just appreciate the little things in life that's why i always like i'm like very very appreciative i i don't like when food is wasted um i I am very, very passionate about giving back to those who don't have uh, because I know how it feels to go without food. I know that feeling, those hunger pains. Yeah, so. That was Esther there. Um, Yes, Esther is, you know, when we were able to meet in non-COVID times, Esther was always planning gatherings. Um, it's really funny because Esther has one of the smaller appetites that I've seen, but the amount of food that she brings, the amount of food that she prepares and the hospitality that she brings is very second to none. Uh, she's in abundance when she provides for others, um, when she's sharing, um, so I love, you know, just to, to see that and to, to be able to tie that back together of this experience and to see that that has affected and shaped her and it shapes, it's shaped her love and it shaped her nurture uh, for the world and for people. Um, and even in what she does for EX, um, she hosts, uh, she created Let's Get Talking, which is our uh, we do gatherings online right now where people get to discuss and just kind of talk about hard issues, but to be heard and to have a space where you can speak and not be judged and not have, you know, not have it be debates, but more so about an intake of ideas and experiences and perspectives. And um, yeah, just that experience of how, you know, you can you can listen to that and Esther is rolling with these fasts, you know, and rolling with what the circumstances were but finding power in that you know finding the time and space to read to keep the mind occupied seeing that as a practice of getting stronger and um yeah just 
Esther is that, you know, somebody who I look up to. If she were to tell me something that would hit me very hard and any advice or any wisdom, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to listen, and I'm really going to intake that because of what Esther's experienced and her perspective on what's important or her perspective on what is worth investing your you know your time or your emotions and her, and for her it's investing it in people and investing it in love her ability she has a calendar with everybody's birthday and she never misses a birthday she always knows whose birthday it is and and really making people feel special on their birthday is such a powerful powerful thing that she does that's her gift is to empower folks to make to make sure that their existence the very day that they began existing is something that people celebrate and that people know um and that's s you know in a nutshell she's a lover of people she's auntie s she's the wisdom she's the oracle you know and you know if you listen to that podcast you'll hear a lot of her experience and how being a refugee um actually created and and contribute actually contributed to her love for travel um once again, you know, making, taking what life has given and, and allowing that to shape you and create a love for the world and experiencing of the world. So thank you, S. That's number two. And then number three to Mr. Kanai Webb. Um, Kanai is 23 years old. He's from Compton, California. He runs a space called Peace of Mind Compton. Um, which he wants to be like a studio space, a shop space, just a hub for the community. And uh, it's actually connected to the alleyway to his home. Um, And the building used to be um, run by his grandma, which was a community school in Compton where um, anybody could go to school there. Um, And it was really like a hub for the community back then when his grandma was there. And so Kanai is now carrying on that torch um, prior to the shutdown or like kind of the re-shutdown of things, he was, um, running events there kind of in the back open parking lot just to bring the community together. He's really big on the concept of healing and bringing healing to Compton and creating healing spaces for people. And, um, at a young age, you know, he's finding that he is, he's embodied, not finding it. He's, he, he embodies the voice of, organizing and creating spaces and actually yeah i'm sorry i forgot to say but peace of mind compton also on sundays is doing a drive they do drive through food drives um for families and just talking to some folks there about their experience like that power of being able to shift someone's life experience by giving them a meal that will help their family that that's unexpected that all of a sudden is going to create these moments around a table of love, of abundance, right? Of good eating and something that will shape a young person's life and having that. And so for him to be able to create that space uh, with something that he has to do that for the community is a beautiful thing. And he just continues to want to build. Um, And so in this episode, we went to, it's called Cliff's Texas Style Burritos in Compton um and just had some burritos and um 
we were just talking about the community in Compton. And actually at this point in this excerpt here, like Cliff, Uncle Cliff, who's the, the owner of it, comes out, checks in on us and sees how's we're, how we're doing. And um, Kanai just talks about the experience and the culture of um, living in Compton. And for me, this really embodies when people know their why and when people know why they're connected to their community. And when you feel that connection or that belonging and you find your space in that, the ability to serve it and the ability to speak to its needs or fill in a need or be a, be a helper that's informed, that's not just fixing, but is, is part of the community and, and is, is bringing your love and your gift because you understand it and have been affected by it is such a testament to him in this, um, in his work and what he shares here. So um, check it out. This is Kanai sharing about um, just Compton as we have some burritos. That's the owner, Mr. Cliff. What's going on, man? How you doing, boss? All right, doing all right. <laughs> yeah, just like, damn. Damn, there you go. Yeah. He knows everybody, nice people. Like, that's yeah. how it is. Like, you know, it's all love when people come around here. That's what's so yeah. beautiful about this spot. Yeah. 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 This is my first one. Thank you. I'm loving it, man. Yeah. I've got, yeah, I'm going to bring it home to my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Thank man. You. He could have been in his bag doing whatever and he decided all right let me go check and see how everyone's doing like let me go say hi let me go you know what i mean yeah. like those small little interactions yep. makes like it makes just a big difference like you said in someone's day yeah and i feel like that's what like those interactions that happen i, I see and i have them on a day-to-day basis in compton yeah like i remember one day i was in a something happened crazy happened yeah. i was on the phone and i'm normally a really positive person yeah but someone finally got under my skin yeah. and i was like cursing them out and i'm outside of my house and I'm just like on the phone, like really yeah. ranting. And my neighbor comes and I'm like, hey, are you okay? And like, just, I'm like, ah, I'm all right. But like, you know, she says, all right, I'm gonna pray for you. Like, is there anything I can do? I say, no, she's okay, well, I'll pray for you. And close the door. And then it was like, damn. Like, it was a sense of like, damn, they care about me. Like, my neighbor who I don't really talk to, I don't really like know. But like, they heard me so upset that they came outside to just to check to see if I was okay. And I was like, if I was in Diamond Bar and if that same situation happened, I think a neighbor would have called the cops on me because they would have saw a black man outside on his phone screaming, angry, hostile. I don't know if necessarily someone would have came out and checked on me. And so, like, those interactions, like, they just, you just feel better. Like, you just, you just feel, like I said, like, it has a sense of, like, community or home or, like, well-being. Like, someone cares about you. Like, I think that's all you want in the world. Yeah. Someone yeah. to care about you and you know, to, A, live, to see so many people look like you because there's only, like, we don't see, I don't see too many black people like, who look like me on a day-to-day basis. So, living in a city where it's, oh, it looks like me. And then where they also like treat you like they like I care about you, like whatever you need, like just call me. Like that. And you get that throughout many people in the city. Like it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That like most media or mainstream media don't talk about the show, but I it's the reality. I feel like the city. Yeah. So, that's what I like most about it. Yeah, man. Like that. See right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it makes you. Just when people care, it makes you more mindful. Yep. You're like, next time you, next time you start reaching that point, you're like, 
Yeah. Like, oh wait. Next time, last time, somebody actually checked on me when I got to this space. Bro, it made me hang up the phone. Like I didn't yeah. even like once. I said that like I, I didn't even finish that convo with that person. Like yo, why am I arguing with you? Like it's not like and that's what it takes. Is just like dang, you're right. Like someone cares, but like I don't have to behave this way or do these things when you know someone cares about you. Like when you have a whole city or whole community that cares about you, you move differently. Yep. Like you, you react differently to things you know, Because you understand that you're not by yourself anymore Like I think when you're in A lot of those suburban areas You feel alone And you feel like you're by yourself So you move like you're by yourself um, But like I said it's different When you just know you have a whole community That supports you And like, really care about you That's you know, moving with you Yeah. You know what I mean So it's, it's healing Like just living in a scene like this is Day to day You'll see a lot of trauma and pain, unfortunately, but it's also, you'll see some healing. Like, yesterday I woke up at 7 a.m. and rode my bike around the city, you know what I mean? And it was shit like that where many people, because of the connotation of Compton, they feel like, oh, that's not a safe thing or oh, that's a dangerous thing. But it was just like, for me, that was so healing and that was just so refreshing to just get on the bike in the morning and just ride it around the city and just, you know what I mean, be one with it. That was Kanai there um, as we were sharing some burritos. And I really love that time to just, you know, in that one you can hear the ambient noise, you can hear the atmosphere, you can hear the music playing, you can hear the other people, um, you can see the, hear the cars driving by, you can hear Uncle Cliff stopping by saying hello. And for me, it's a beautiful thing. And that that kind of adds to the tapestry of what Kanai was talking about of, just what Compton is and how people care and how it's all, everything's going on and it's all a part of that experience. And then for him to tie that back into healing and just the care that he receives, you're going to see in general, like when people receive care, when they're a part of something that does care, you have somebody like Kanai who then wants to use their livelihood and their resources and their existence and their experience to give back to that. And that's such a powerful testament. Um, after that, we actually drove around, um, stopped over by like the Compton farm. And then there's also the Compton Cowboys and there's a rich cowboy culture in Compton as well. So for me to really just learn and see the aspects of the city through someone who is in the community and his doing the work was just a great context. Cause obviously um, you know, Compton has its connotations or however we hear it from an outside point of view that we come across it, but to, you know, experience it from this space of love and this space of healing, um, and from someone who has such a passion for it. Um, it's also an example of how to love the things that we belong to, love the things that make us feel like we belong, how to love those things that heal us and the, the things that take care of us. And, um, yeah, I, I just think Kanai is an amazing example of that, and he's somebody who's still, he's on the journey, but he's also, you know, at 23, he's, he's starting that journey, and to think about where he's going to be in five years, and where he's going to be in 10 years, and he's already in a lineage of people that have served the community, that have lived their life in service of others. That's a powerful thing to think of. That that makes me think about potential and the, the possibility and what can be built and what can be out there, and especially... The concept of doing it generationally, the things that we are beginning today, 
that are, we are working on now that might not seem like they're progressing or only seem like they're beginning. And it's really hard to, you know, maybe it's just the seeds that are being planted, but to understand, you know, like with Kanai's grandma, did she think a generation after her, her grandson would carry on this legacy and make it his own and become a hub for the community. So, um, yeah, give that one a listen to, cause, uh, I love that one. Just being out there with Kanai and, and experiencing the city with him. Um, and he's somebody that we'll be doing more work with without a doubt for sure. And so, yeah, thank you for listening to those three. If you've, if you've made it through, I would suggest, yeah, if you have time, that's what it's about. Each of these podcasts is just a dive into people and to, I think a dive into ourselves. Cause I think a lot, right. When we listen to things, when we hear other people's stories, we're really channeling uh, a reflection of ourselves or how does that compare with ourselves or how do we view ourselves if we were in that position or when something's, you know, strikes us as extraordinary or like, wow, like a, a lot of these things I think about, like, can I do that? Man, what if I was in that experience? That's, and that's what, you know, for me creates that space of my admiration for people or uh, my appreciation for people for going through different experiences, for persevering, uh, for living through and for sharing and being in a space to reflect and be vulnerable in that. So, yes. Thank you to mom. Thank you to Esther. Thank you to Kanai. Thank you to you for listening. Um, and so, yeah, that's just three of what we have. And we have 10 of those episodes and every few we'll do an update like this just so you can hear snippets of everybody. Um, yes. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you. Y'all have a good week. Take care. Peace. Podcast. <laughs>